there's people alive today that won't be alive by tonight. So God has brought us and he has done great things for us. And so when it is time or there's an opportunity to praise God, I don't wait for anybody to, to, to pump the gas for me because all I got to think about anything that Jesus has done for me food in my mouth clothes on my back the activity of my limbs all I've been through and I got a right mind shelter over my head I live in a society where I can worship him freely but more than that he gave me a mouth to open to call upon his great name and when I call on the name of Jesus there's immediate power when I praise his name he inhabits my praises he lives in my praise and so I give him glory and I just want to encourage you keep on praising him don't skip not one opportunity to give God praise. If it's at the stoplight and you clapping your hands, don't worry about the people next to you. You don't know them anyway. Go on and give him glory. If it's in church and you run 10 laps, don't worry about what people are thinking about you. It's what God thinks about you. People ain't got no heaven or hell to put you in. God gets all the glory. So give him what belongs to him. I don't owe you an explanation for how I praise, but I owe him praise for everything he's explained to me about his goodness toward me. How God never left me, how he never forsook me, how he never took his hands off me, even when I took my hands off of him. When I walked outside this morning, opened the door to get some fresh air, and I saw both my children's cars parked out front. They're alive and they're at home. I don't have to worry about where they are. They're alive and they're home. I ain't visiting their grave. They're alive and they're home. I look at Malik up here on the stage. His mama ain't at the detention center. I'm looking at a, 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 a man, a young man, that every statistic says, we don't have nothing cut out for you. The whole society can't count because a black man with no daddy in his home is a statistic. They can't count, but this boy is on the stage with his mama praising God. saw the video that girl's truck hit by an oil tanker I walked in on a walker today she didn't walk in on a walker today you can't tell me God ain't good I 
don't know what you've been through. And I don't have to know. But when it comes time to praising God, I'm not going to sit back. God is calling us higher. 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 That's what the Pentecost is about. Higher. It's our time to make our move because God has given us the power of the Holy Ghost. Higher. In Christmas, Jesus is the main actor. At Easter, Jesus is the main actor. At the Pentecost, he gives us the opportunity to be the main actor by the power of the Holy Ghost. So don't sit back on any praise you have. When we have the opportunity to praise, we ought to be unflinching and unapologetic that when people come in, they say they're they crazy. We're crazy for the Lord. You right? If your name is written in the Lamb books, uh, Lamb's Book of Life, then you, you car carrying crazy for Jesus because your name been written down. But we want to give God glory for this great day of Pentecost. We thank God for the beautiful mime this morning. I don't know what it is about mom. It tears me up in my spirit. No good. You too, Sister Carrie. Tears me up. Yeah. I promise I ain't gonna hold my seat no more because I was losing my mind over there. But I, I'm, gonna, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna be a hypocrite no more. I'm not gonna be a hypocrite. So you see me rush the stage. Keep doing your dance. I ain't gonna hurt you. I just wanna be close to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. God is good. He is good. There is a word from the Lord. And on this Pentecost Sunday, the message the Lord has given me is very simply titled, Holy Ghost Power. Holy Ghost Power. We read a rather elongated text and <clears throat> we've had some back and forth call and response worship moments here, so I Hope you remember what it said, but there'll be some refresh. <laughs> there'll be some refresher. Verse 49. <clears throat> Just want to highlight something there. Christ told the disciples, and behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye, await, you wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So Jesus here was sending the promise of his father. What is a promise? 
We've made them. We've broken them. People have made them to us. They've broken them to us. A promise is a declaration that one will do or refrain from doing something specified. It can be a legally binding declaration that gives the person to whom it is made a right to expect or to claim the performance or forbearance of the specified act. So in this verse here, Jesus made a promise of power. He made a promise of power. Now, one of our definitions say it's a right to expect or to claim the performance. So today, saints, we ain't got to wait till the end of the message when the Holy Ghost hype man shows up <clears throat> to show what God has for us. He says that we have a promise of power. So you can just do this quick motion right now. I got my promise of power. If you want it, a promise of power. No, y'all doing it like you don't even mean that. Like I'm just going, you're at the goodwill. No, we, we at, the, at the big time, the promise of power. Okay, I don't know about you. I need power in my life. He gave a promise of power. They and we cannot do the work of Jesus without promise of power, without the power that was promised to us. We have to be endued with power from on high. That power comes when the Holy Ghost is poured out upon us. Just like when the Holy Ghost was poured out upon them. See, Jesus did not want them doing things by their lived experiences or their knowledge of legality inside of the church. That's a problem today. Legality. Ain't no power in legality. There are merits to lived experience. But we can also be jaded and we can also be distracted and we can also be wounded and we can also become wicked by lived experiences. But when you have power from the Holy Ghost, that power helps us to do what God has asked us to do. And that's why we have the Pentecost. The power, Brother Malik would agree with me, I'm sure, as a <clears throat> larger gentlemen, tall and stocky and strong. If I took a syringe that your mother used to use to give you baby Tylenol with your ear infection and said, I'm going to pour it on top of your head and that's going to be your shower, I think you would agree with me that ain't enough. That's not enough water. But those little trickles of what we think are just lived experiences or knowledge and legality are just syringe drops in what we're able to do. But when he pours out his Holy Spirit on his people, pour out, saturate you. Then that power is something not only you feel, but others feel and see and sense it too. Those disciples had the Holy Spirit poured out upon them. Jesus used his hands to bless the disciples, the church, the children, 
And he uses those same hands to bless you and I. Stop dodging him. Your arm is too short to box with him. His father, his eyes roam to and fro the earth. I mean, what you need, uh, Adam in the Garden of Eden experience? Adam, where are you? Like God didn't know. You stay under his hand. <clears throat> and what that means is when you were a, a baby, many of us learned to walk. And we were building up power to begin to walk. And we scoot along and then we crawl and uh, then we, you know, edge up on some furniture and we start trotting along the edge of the furniture and then we take our little miraculous steps but somebody's hands would kind of guide us and then kind of catch us as we as we fall. So that's what Jesus does, okay? And so when we're when we're trying to navigate and do what he calls us to do and, and, and he gives us power, then we are learning how to navigate that power even if it's brand new, especially if it's brand new. We have to learn how to walk with that thing and we need his guidance by his hand and that hand is a hand that blesses us it blesses us because it leads guides and directs us so if Jesus blesses you there's no one or no thing that can change that once he has his hands on you you will never be the same if you remove yourself from his hand you will never be the same and you won't have peace until you get back to your right mind prodigal one and come back to him. What is this power? This power is dunamis power. Dunamis, the word dynamite that we have today, dunamis. We know from scripture that the Holy Spirit regularly works, regularly works in our hearts to sanctify us. That means purify us. You and I cannot keep digging around in the dirt like swine eating slop and expect to show up with a white robe and a scepter and a golden crown on our heads like we brand new and deserving. If we have the power of the Holy Ghost, we lose our taste for slop. He will sanctify us. He will purify us. He will take the taste of weed out your mouth. He will take the, the taste of, of, of uh, heroin out of your veins. He will not cause you to give up your rent money to go get perks. He will not let you enjoy your adult beverage to the point that you're willing to drive under the influence. He will not have you terrorize your family to where they brace up when you show up in the doorway. I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about us, the church. We need sanctification. I had to break it out. Sanctify. Ah. Ah. Sanctification. Not only do we need to be sanctified, which means purified, we need to grow in our spiritual gifts. We need to grow 
in our spiritual gifts. God gave Paul this thought about growth in Galatians. And there is fruit of the spirit. Not fruits. There's several of them mentioned, joy, peace, all of these kind of things. But fruit, because you need all of them. Those plural are wrapped up into a singular. With his power, we have fruit of the spirit. However, this power, this dunamis power deals with the power given to us when we are walking after the cause of Christ with the power of the Holy Ghost to perform. Not to be just a spectator, but to perform miracles, signs, and wonders. This is a hard one for many people in the church. Sounds so good. That sounds real good. Miracles, signs, and wonders? That takes work. It takes work. And we cannot do it on our own. We have to have that outpouring of the Holy Spirit to give us the strength and the power to perform miracles, signs, and wonders. These are not ancient concepts. These are right now promises that you just reached up into heaven and claimed for yourself. There is no reason that you have to remain in bondage. There is no reason that your finances have to remain jacked up. God can write your mind so you can be disciplined and you don't have to turn around three times, pat people five times and say, God's going to give me a financial blessing. No, he'll discipline your mind so you pay your bills. He will give you a budget. You don't have to have a coach bag. Again. You don't have to have true religion if you got a Walmart budget. And then you think God has abandoned you. You abandoned him and his precepts and you also refuse to accept the promise that he has given us to have power. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Sign. Right there. A wonder. Right there. A miracle. Right there wearing this black hat. Miracle, sign, and wonder. In our very eyesight. Miracle, sign, and wonder. What God has done. Prayer has kept Many of us, those are miracle signs and wonders. Those places that you wanted to go, but your mama and your grandmama prayed, save my child. Miracle signs and wonders when that prayer was answered. It don't have to come with a big balloon and all kinds of confetti. God will give us the answers when we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
we can't perform those things on our own. There's also the Holy Ghost as a symbol. We had the promise of power, but we also have the Holy Ghost as a symbol. So can I teach for just a moment? Symbol, little definition here, an authoritative summary of faith or doctrine, a creed. It's something that stands for or suggests something else by relation, by a reason of relationship, association, or an accidental resemblance. So it's a visible sign of something invisible. So the lion is a symbol of courage. A dove is a symbol of peace. The word symbol comes from Greek symbolon, which means contract token, a means of identification. So we think about the Holy Ghost as a symbol. I teach English. And in literature, symbolism can represent meaning that, bego- that goes beyond what is literally being said. So you have the story that many of us know, the three little pigs. And they all are going to build their own house. And the three pigs each go at the building process differently. The first pig builds its house from straw and takes the remainder of its time playing and chilling. The second pig builds its house from sticks. It takes a little bit longer uh, than the very first one made of straw, but not that much longer. And then he rests or she rests and plays and sleeps. And then the third pig builds its house from bricks and has no time for playing or relaxing. And then there is the antagonist, the big bad wolf. The big bad wolf comes along and blows down the first house and everybody runs to the second house. The big bad wolf comes along and bur- blows down the second house and everybody runs and, uh, and, and hides in the third pig's house. And then when he gets to the third pig's house with the brick, the big bad wolf can't blow that house down. The big bad wolf is like the enemy. He roams around seeking who he can devour. He's roaring and seeking who he can devour. So 1 Peter 5, 6 and 9 says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he cares for you then he says goes back to sanctification be sober tighten up be vigilant pay attention because your adversary, my adversary. That's the Bible. It says, your adversary, the devil, a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Resist him in the faith. He's not just seeking to knock over your wood or your stick house. The enemy is seeking to destroy anything that you have that's a possibility when you let go of that promise of power. When you grab hold of the promise of power. He will seek to devour your credibility, 
not because of other people all the time, but sometimes because of us. Because we'll say, uh, Sarah, uh, our colleague over there in the science department made me so sick. And then Sarah ran back to a colleague in the science department and said, Lita says, you make her sick. But the colleague in the science department didn't know I felt that way and thought we were cool. And there goes your credibility. And then the, the colleague in the science department is on the hiring committee when you want that promotion. Seeking whom he may desour, devour. Verse 9. The Bible goes on to tell us about that adversary. He says, resist steadfast in faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In order to, to resist in the faith, you have to have the Holy Ghost power. Faith is not willpower, my dear. It's not willpower. I can will my children to be obedient. I can will my supervisor to quit acting a donkey. I can will that my finances will straighten up. I can will that I'll, I don't know, that thing you're thinking about. But without faith, and it is stronger in the Holy Ghost, first of all, you can't please God, but without faith, you don't have the power to resist the enemy. So are you like the first little pig wasting your time? Hurry so they can relax. Don't spend no time in prayer. Don't spend no time in the Bible. Are you like that, that little pig? Are you building with the wrong stuff like the first and the second pig? Just using the wrong materials to build your house. You can't build it on willpower. You can't build it on knowledge alone. You got to have the power of the Holy Ghost. How do we overcome that big bad wolf? What if you don't have what it takes to fight the enemy? You're going to get your behind handed to you over and over and over again. So what does it take? Jude tells us, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. We build ourselves up in our most holy faith. Catch this, praying in the Holy Ghost. We need that dunamis power for continual reinforcement. It's like this. You have those religious symbols that communicate our relationship to God who is sacred or holy. And we have to be mindful here that God is to be revered. God is a holy God. Now, I don't care what some of these theologians are out here telling you. I don't care what some of these lyrics in the songs are telling you. Baby, you better make sure that stuff aligns with the Bible and you're going to have to do your work. Because all that stuff ain't holy and all of it ain't right. Some of the things they're talking about, and I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about the work of the enemy to give us miscommunicated messages. Just like when he tempted Jesus, he said, you can just flop yourself off of this cliff and, uh, you know, the angels will be given charge over you. He, 
the enemy misquoted scripture. And Jesus answered him, it is written. It is written. You better be careful what you're ingesting and go to it is written. Some of our religious symbols are the cross, the rainbow, the ictus, the fish. Sometimes we see dry bones, numbers, which mean intent, like the number seven, meaning perfection, wind, a star, or even grass, the relationship between things and people. Jesus used symbols. He was a master storyteller. It was also culturally appropriate to use storytelling because most people were illiterate and could not read for themselves. So symbols have a, a characteristic in common with signs. They point to something beyond themselves. So a sign is not the reality, okay? What it's pointing to is the reality. Signs can be replaced for reasons such as a yield sign right here isn't giving us the results we need, so we have to turn it into a stop sign. But the same is not true of symbols. Symbols tend to have a perpetual meaning. On a side note, and an important note, if I want to go to Huber's Orchard next week and pick strawberries, there's a sign that tells me how to get there. It says 64 West. The sign is pointing to 64 West, but the sign is not going to 64 West. The cross of Jesus is a symbol of Christ's greatest sacrifice of giving his life for us so we would have a right to the tree of life. And we can wear it all we want to. We can get the biggest and baddest one, all the diamonds and all of the jewels on it. It's a symbol of what he did for us. But if we don't participate in the redemptive way that he gave us by the power of the Holy Ghost, baby, you ain't going where Jesus is. Symbols. Now, gifts of the Holy Ghost. There are some denominational beliefs about certain gifts that occur by the endowment of the Holy Spirit. And one such is speaking in tongues. And I'm not going to split hairs over that. I'm not going to do it. Because I have Catholic friends who don't speak in tongues, but will tarry ye in Jerusalem until a sign comes. But I have a nun friend who speaks in tongues. And that ain't what Catholics are taught to do. I have family members who don't speak in tongues. But I have explicitly seen their prayers manifested in my life and the life of our family because they have the power of the Holy Ghost. So some people take it personally by ascending to their own throne of judgment that if a person does not do this or that, then they are not saved. That, my friends, is bondage. This is not our place. God does the sorting. He will separate the wheat from the tear. We look on the outside. God looks 
on the inside. Sometimes when people do that, it is ignorance of the word that causes people to assert these beliefs on others. Sometimes it is willful ignorance, and that is an attempt to control people, and that is what we call witchcraft. We're told in Romans 8, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 1, that every believer in Christ can receive the Holy Ghost. All right? Every believer. But not every believer has to speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 29 through 31. The word is spoken for itself. God said it. That settles it for me. Now, one more thing here about the Holy Ghost as a symbol and gifts. Words are symbols that indicate meaning for us. So when I hear the words Holy Ghost, that symbolizes, it triggers in my mind that Holy Ghost means power. Holy Ghost means help. Holy Ghost means you are not defeated. Holy Ghost means the legion of angels has shown up to comfort me. The legion of angels is behind me. Holy Ghost means protection. It means I have a defense. I didn't see it, but I heard it, and it triggered that remembrance for me. What the Holy Ghost is. We talk about the Holy Spirit today because we're celebrating Pentecost. And it marks that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which makes us equipped to do the work that God wants us to do. And that we need his power in order to do it. So if Christmas marks the birth of Jesus, and as I said earlier, uh, uh, then, then that means that Pentecost marks the birth of the church. If Easter or Resurrection Sunday marks the day when Jesus was raised from the dead, then Pentecost marks the day when the message about Jesus began to make its way to the people and places all over the world. Of course, the church and the world do not treat Pentecost the same way they do Christmas and Easter because ain't no Pentecost sales. You don't get no Pentecost tree. We don't have Pentecost eggs. And I ain't never heard of a Pentecost bunny. And the fact that we do not even understand or observe this day in particular ways. Some of us were raised and they just didn't do that. Now, you know. So if you know, you know. Unless we make room for Pentecost in our lives, then our understanding of what it means to follow Christ will never be fully understood. You Bible readers will remember in Acts, the first chapter, that Jesus tells his disciples to remain in Jerusalem until the power of the Holy Ghost came unto them. I just want to remind you of something. There is such a thing that isn't taught anymore very much in mainstream churches. It's called tarrying. And it's an old school concept, you could say. Tarrying means that we take all of the braces of time off. And we spend the time necessary to hear from God on high until his power shows up. I've been to Tarian services 
Honey, the last we get out of church, two, three o'clock in the morning. I was never tired. Been there since 7 p.m. We tarried. Several people would be filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't have to be at church to do it. You could be in your bedroom on your own knees and stay there until you get the Holy Ghost power. You can pray. And if you don't feel that Holy Ghost power when you're praying, begin to clap your hands. Get up and do something different. Walk around. Get the Holy Ghost power. And don't stop till you get it. Lord, I'm going to stay here until you give me what I came for. God, I'm going to stay here until I hear your voice. Lord, I'm going to stay on my knees until these tears stop flowing from my eyes. God, I'm going to keep on praying and I'm going to keep on singing and I'm going to keep on clapping until my body feels just fine. God, I'm going to stay right here and I'm not going to give up. I don't even care if I go to sleep and I'm going to turn back over, open my eyes, keep my mouth open praising you until my child walks through the door. Whatever it is, Whatever I want from the Lord, until I feel that Holy Ghost power, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. You see, when God wanted to make creation, he dug down in his own dirt and he put together this little Play-Doh form. But it was just a bunch of dust and it was just a bunch of dirt until he decided to breathe on it. When God breathed on it, that was some power from on high. And then it became a man and we came to know him as Adam. Do you remember in Ezekiel with the valley of the dry bones? <laughs> and that prophet began to prophesy to those bones. And one by one, they began to be connected the net knee bone to the thigh bone, the thigh bone to the hip bone, the hip bone to the backbone. They began to come together as a body, but they didn't begin to move and do anything until God blew his breath upon those bones. And the same is true with you and me and the church today, with every single believer who wishes to have it, no matter what your spiritual gifts may be, whatever, you won't ever get to your full capacity until you come into contact with the power of the Holy Ghost. Who else can say with me that you want to be transformed with the renewing of your mind? You want to be transformed in the way you walk. You want to be transformed in the way you talk. You got to stay right there until you get the Holy Ghost power because God needs you. He don't need no weak soldiers. You can't be the weakest link in the chain. You got to get that toxic stuff of laziness out of your mind, out of your spirit, and come into contact with the power of the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost touches, the lame man will walk. When the Holy Ghost touches, the, the deaf man will hear. When the Holy Ghost touches, the mute man will speak. When the Holy Ghost 
moves. <laughs> that power will rest upon you so strongly. You'll be walking down by first and Broadway over by the Thorntons and a homeless man who's talking to himself. Your shadow will cast over him and he will get back in his right mind. All mental illness will leave him. Hunger will leave his body. His knees will buckle and they'll straighten back up. Your shadow by power of the Holy Ghost. When you have the power of the Holy Ghost, you can look up on your household. You can look at your wayward children. You can look up your funky spouse. You can look at your family system. You can look up your jacked up job. When the power of the Holy Ghost comes down, what was dead for four days, you can call it forth by the power of the Holy Ghost and say, come forth. Those grave clothes will come off and they'll begin to walk. They'll begin to talk like Jesus did. God says, loose in the name of Jesus. Loose in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. When the Holy Ghost touches and he pours himself out, the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous will avail much. You will see things turning around for you. Pastor Lisa, your kidney will be removed. And when they denied it, they'll turn around 20 minutes later and they will approve it. Your inability to walk, Carla, will not keep you from seeing your baby graduate. You saw her yesterday and you were there in person. You ain't been out for two years, but God made a way by the power of the Holy Ghost. As we prayed week after week, we didn't let up. We expected God to do it great thing and that's exactly what he did God can do what he said he can do we can do greater things than Jesus did by the power of the Holy Ghost hallelujah hallelujah your trauma will be reversed God will not only heal you but God will move through you so that you can testify and strengthen and heal others by the power of the Holy Ghost because of what you've been through when the Holy Holy Ghost touches you. You'll take authority over your life. You'll take authority over your heartbreak. You'll take authority over the things that had you bound. You won't have no grave that can hold you down because when the power of the Holy Ghost comes upon you, the things you used to not be able to do, you are able to do. The things you didn't want to do for Christ, they'll become natural for you. When the power of the Holy Ghost comes on you, things will begin to change. You'll become a committed church member. Your giving will change. Your church attendance will change. Your commitment to Christ will change when the power of the Holy Ghost comes. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! When the power of the Holy Ghost outpours, you won't be the same as you used to be. When the power of the Holy Ghost comes, you'll be renewed in every aspect of your life. All you got to do is keep up holding on to his hand all you got to do keep staying with him stay on the Lord's side that's all you got to do stay on the Lord's side don't let him go hold on to his hand his hand is unchanging and we thank God for it oh Lord our Lord how excellent is that name 
in all of the earth. There is none like you, oh God. No, not one. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, God.